Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's October 22nd, 1844, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was the sequel to Great Expectations that nobody wanted, The Great Disappointment. (laughs) It was on this day, like on so many other days, that the world did not end. Jesus did not arrive for his second coming on schedule, as predicted by a New England preacher with a following of at least 100,000 Americans. So the Great Disappointment was this major event in the history of the Millerite movement, which was a 19th century American Christian sect. And the guy behind it, William Miller, was this preacher who prophesied that the end of the world was coming, and he even was clear enough to give it a date range that was then whittled down by his followers to a particular set of dates. And this was the final one where, again, Jesus failed to turn up. And when it is remembered, if at all, this event, it is discussed, I suppose, in the same context that we're giving it, you know, as a bit of marginalia. The first serious book on the subject was subtitled A Strange Bit of History. But there were over 100,000 Millerites in the United States by this time. It was Mm. a craze that swept the nation, Jesus' second coming. It was Mm -hmm. a big deal. So you had a lot of disappointed people the next day. Yeah, and also with a time difference as well, because there were also Millerites in the UK and in Canada. So the Great Disappointment came sort of at the tail end of the Second Great Awakening. There were these big waves of Christian revivals which swept through the US in the 18th and 19th centuries, and they produced loads of new religious movements, most of which were quite short-lived, but also the Mormon Church was founded out of the Great Awakenings. And so Miller kind of had this ready-made audience. America was thirsty for these new religious Mm. movements. He'd started coming up with with all these prophecies based on studying each passage of the Bible very intently. And for him, the key passage was Daniel 8.14 that says, Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Now... (laughs) It was pretty common in Bible study at this time to use day to mean a year, which is the way that it's used in some passages of the Bible. He (laughs) concluded that Christ would conveniently return about 10 years from the time he came up with this in March 1843 and March 1844. Because that was 2,300 years, roughly, from when Daniel (laughs) wrote that in the Bible? No. No. Right, no. The the best part (laughs) is that it was only possible for him to come to this date because he started the count from 457 BC, which you may not remember from your history textbooks. It was when Artaxerxes I of Persia began the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Wow. Possibly because he thought that starting it from the death of Jesus would be too long to wait for his followers. You're right. It's so back justified. He pretty much got the number 2300 and went straight back from the year in question and was like, now what happened in the Bible then? Ah, yes, this bit of uh, (laughs) tiny sort of insignificance. Let's do it. (laughs) But he kept getting the actual date wrong didn't he once he decided he spent five years kind of confirming for himself in his own bible study that he was right 
And then when he believed that he was right and Jesus was going to come back at some point in 1844, he came up with a date range of March the 21st, 1843 to March the 21st, 1844. And he said of this, my principles in brief are that Jesus Christ will come again to this earth cleanse purify and take possession of the same with all the saints <laughs> i love how this sounds like a dry legal procedure sometime between march 21st 1843 and march 21st 1844 now that passed without incident so you'd think he'd be a bit embarrassed but then he said no no actually it's april the 18th because he used a different jewish calendar uh, instead of rabbinical he used what was it karatic Kar- yeah. right Kar-ritic. spoiler christ didn't come back then either then he had a seminar about it with some other Adventists that he knew and endorsed October the 22nd because that was Yom Kippur that year, the Day of Atonement. And he was like, this is obviously the one it should be. Well, I mean, it's sort of telling in itself that after he came up with his initial calculation, he didn't tell anyone at all. And even when he got a bit more confident with it, he only started telling his most intimate friends. So I think that even from the starting point, he wasn't 100% certain. And maybe also he could sense the risk in putting such a firm date on it if you were trying to find some sort of personal following, but also even for the sort of broad religiosity that I think that it's it's dangerous to predict something and have it get out of control in the way that it did and then have it not come to pass. And despite having suffered what I guess we could term a couple of lesser disappointments, the Millerites were extremely excited about the 22nd of October. They were really, really confident it was definitely happening. Mm. I think possibly because the initial prediction gave quite a wide time span, so you couldn't really be excited for an entire year. But the 22nd of October, you know, expectations were reaching fever pitch. And there are accounts of members of the church who gave away their possessions, and sold their jewellery, sold their clothes, gave everything away. And there are some more scurrilous reports. It can't necessarily be proven, but there were claims that some Millerites gathered on hills and climbed trees in white robes they had made themselves. Yeah, one man fastening turkey wings to his back, apparently, who then climbed a tall tree and leapt out, hoping that he'd fly. (laughs) (laughs) I think this might be one of those scurrilous stories. (laughs) But there were gatherings of Millerites. They did gather on hillsides and on mountaintops, etc., thinking that this was kind of bringing them closer, giving God a kind of helping hand to, you know, know bring them into heaven by getting onto that higher ground but it's probably worth saying that a lot of the stories could have been made up because the millerites were not popular at all they were no the other churches be like ha 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 ha. (laughs) (laughs) well there were reports as well in the papers that linked millerites with driving people to insanity and suicide you know they were criticized a lot they'd have these big public meetings and there were allegations in the press that they were sort of inciting this uh, hysteria Well, I mean, another anecdote that circulates, which does appear to be backed up by eyewitnesses, is that Ralph Waldo Emerson was approached by an anxious man on the day that Jesus was coming back. And he went up to him and said, do you realise the world is coming to an end today? And Emerson replied, the end of the world doesn't affect me. I can get along without it. It's obviously (laughs) quite a widespread dismissal, even amongst religious people, of these guys are a bit nuts. Unfortunately for the people themselves, when the Great Disappointment did come to pass. They were devastated, obviously. And one of the uh, pioneers of the Seventh-day Adventist church called Hiram Edson wrote that our fondest hopes and expectations were blasted and such a spirit of weeping came over us as I had never experienced before. We wept and wept till the day dawn. 
And you can imagine, I mean, you know, when you've come to hope that here comes the Lord, our Savior, coming back to, you know, uh, bring us to heaven, basically, that it would be a bit of an anticlimax after all that <laughs> to, to just have Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Go back to your chopped up furniture and your wife <laughs> yeah. that you ran away from to go running up Take hill. the turkey wings yeah. off your back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and as well as the obviously profound disappointment, Millerites had to deal with scorn, mockery, and even violence at the hands of their neighbours. Some Miller Right. denominations were actually attacked and even William Miller himself said that children were mocking Millerites in the street and shouting things to them like have you not gone up etc so there was the embarrassing side as well as the spiritually devastating side the great disappointment is often also viewed as a, a really good and clear example of the psychological phenomenon of cognitive dissonance, which has within it that idea that, you know, when something is discordant with the way that you understand the world, rather than totally evacuating the position that you've been holding, you rather double down on it and continue to carry on in the path that you've been going. And I think all of those kind of moments of prophecy that fail to pass, you could imagine giving rise to exactly that. People are going to go through a whole lot of difficult stuff mentally, but they've got one major choice. Do I totally abandon ship with everything that I believe, or do I find a way to back justify? It reminds me of the QAnon movement. You know, every time right, that yeah. the predictions didn't come to pass, it was like, oh no, we must have understood them wrong. We need to revisit them and then basically make yeah. them fit something that did happen. Yeah, which is how it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and incorporating more and more different kind of wild stuff. It went from paedophilia to anti-vax and, you know, now it's all encompassing. Which in 1844, the narrative that the believers constructed was a re- there'd been a seismic earthquake in Portugal, which had been widely reported in North America. There'd been a meteoric rain of stars that had been spotted in the sky. And those things were taken as a kind of pre-show warm-up for Jesus, basically. Mm. But those things continue to happen, don't they? Mm. <laughs> and, you know, now it's just the same. There are, there are people now who see climate change as presaging the end of the world. And it just depends which time scale you choose, really, doesn't it? And we do know at some point we're going to get wiped out. The Earth will spiral into the sun. Hate to break it to you all. <laughs> but we'll be back next week. Yay! <laughs> next time. It was found that he'd hired a detective agency to shadow each and every member of the jury. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.